What's up? Well, I've been sort of nursing a cold brew on and off all day, so I'm really kind of coming into this particular episode of Sop Timber with all the sort of nervous energy of a vibrating chihuahua, I'd say. I, <laughs> oh, you and you and Moose are very you and Moose parentheses dog, not Moose parentheses friend and co friend and friend and guest are uh, are are kindred spirits then because he is he is just a nervous chihuahua. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like it's appropriate. I feel like it's a good state of mind to be in. But other than that, I I don't really know. I watched about. I'd say 45 minutes of Escape from New York before recording this podcast. Very good movie. Uh, big fan Snake of that Pliskin, one. Snake Plissken, baby. Yeah, Snake fucking Plissken. Young Kurt Russell, call me, please. There's that <laughs> scene at the... Is that... Yeah. Is that the same era as is that the same as the is that the same like is is that his thing era? It or is, is that like, it is. Okay. Uh yeah, Escape okay. from New yeah, York I'm... was right before the thing. Escape from New York was eighty one. I think the thing was eighty two, like right afterwards. So just banging it out, this guy. I am not immune to gruff man, long hair, large muscles. <laughs> You, know? you are not you are not immune to the solid snake blueprint. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. I don't think I don't think any of us are. It's like even hard, speaking as even right? speaking as a les even speaking as a dyke, like He's, I mean, like there, you know, there, there. Of course, like you know, you, you know, like a typical lesbian thing is like, oh yeah, you can think of like fi- you can think of like fictional or famous dudes that you'd want to have sex with when you're young because you're like, oh yeah, I'm not a lesbian. I would like, you know, I would, you know, let Jason Momoa break my back or something. I like probably that. still would. I, I probably. I, I mean, still yeah. Would, fr- to be frankly, certain. frankly, yeah. Like, yeah. But like, you know, Snake, S- Solid Snake, definitely one of the contenders for that category. So you're, and... so you're specifying Solid Snake is naked snake off the table is there a delineation i don't know enough about that i don't know enough about metal gear to say but i do want to say that ever since i started working at my uh my coffee job um every single time i give someone a shot of espresso in their coffee i just think like i just think of like a hell drink uh that that uh ocelot would would swing and just say 12 shots more than enough to kill anything that, that moves. moves yeah yeah i think i mean this is not necessarily my place Revolver ocelot should just jam 12 shots of espresso yeah i think i mean that seems like how he makes most of his decisions in that game franchise but far be it from me to speculate on metal gear solid characterizations not necessarily the podcast for that but I do feel like when people talk about characters from those games, it's like that meme where Solid Snake is like baby boy, baby, and then Naked Snake is evil bastard or whatever. <laughs> so kind of kind of in that wheelhouse, Solid Snake gets a big thumbs up from me. Naked Snake, I would have to think about it. I would have to have to weigh my <laughs> options on that one, you know? Which one's the one which one is the one that's in Smash Bros? That is Solid Snake. That is Metal Gear. Call me. Yeah, that's like Metal Gear Solid 2 Snake with this caked up ass they've got in Smash Bros Brawl, I believe. Fully skin tight. Be- just just fully out there. I cannot believe that we are, we are, I mean, this is only the second Smash game that he's been in, but like, how is there not an old snake cost like, color? Like, I like, think in, I think in Brawl, there might be. There's no way, no way that's actually, you maybe in Project, uh, if it, that, like in Project M, I believe it. But all right, like, all right, hold up, hold up, hold up. Smash Bros, Brawl, Snake, Skins, because I know in that game, 
he does have skins of the camouflage that you wear as Naked Snake in Metal Gear Solid 3. But I don't know if there is actually an eye patch skin. Oh, you, wait, do you mean do you mean old snake is in Metal Gear Solid 4 snake? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> okay, what I'm talking okay, about. No, 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 no. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the one getting fucked up and confused now. I I've lost track of all my snakes. There are too many snakes in this podcast and I can no longer wrangle them all. So, uh, oh, hold on. Snake's alternate costumes in Smash 3C? What the fuck is that? What is Smash 3C? <laughs> I'm so scared. Smash Bros. scares me so much. I'm so frightened. I'm so frightened of this video game. Uh, I will say that you are correct. They do seem to have several alternate Snake costumes in Project M, which I have no familiarity with whatsoever. Project M is like Project M is just fixed brawl. Like they took out tripping and made it like a competitive game. And like I think they made some changes to Meta Knight to make it so that he is not just like single handedly the best character in the game by a fucking mile. Doing that Tim um, Heidecker head nod head shake dazed expression yeah, I, type yeah. animated gif on this one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, F F Project M is probably most famous currently for getting banned out of every single major Smash major that happens because Nintendo says, nah, you can't do that to our game. Very unsurprising behavior from Nintendo. Gotta say it's, on that one. I, I know. It's just really funny that they're, that they're coming down with this harshness on like, wh where is the Nintendo sponsored, uh, Smash. Well, I mean, I guess the, this is this is this is the this is the consequence of. Sorry to get into like fucking Smash com tournament community, like discourse, but like this is what you get for getting into bed with Nintendo, getting their shits, getting your shit, like you know your Smash Ultimate tournament sponsor. Totally, this is what you get. Totally, yeah. No, no official sponsorships ever. Putting my foot down. Only getting money from. I don't know how. How else would you get money for doing something like that? Selling branded T-shirts and expensive hot dogs at the at the event. I'm. I mean, for the most part, it's an entry fee. Normally, like sure. the, normally, yeah. like you know, you run the tournament at a lo you 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 run the tournament at a loss, but with enough entry with enough entrance, you recoup that. Uh huh. Um, the Nintendo definitely. I mean, you know, the same way that like a sponsorship, like just kind of you know, makes things tighter. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, or makes things less less financially tight. When are we getting the twisted picture sponsorship on this podcast? Is what I want to know. We need to we need to Honestly. write to Daryl and Boosman and say, hey, buddy. We've been doing free promo for your shitty movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to make us drop our partnership with Mr. S. Leather. Yeah, yeah, they're booting that one out the door. We're going going, going family-friendly on this podcast from now on. I will. This is, this is a promise and a threat. I will never be family-friendly on this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. <sighs>
Welcome to Fear Baiting, everyone. It's your number one, uh... Shit, I was gonna make a square pusher joke, but, like, that's that's really reaching for it, just because someone's head it is in a square. cube in this one. Welcome to your favorite continued jokes about gulping-based traps podcast. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to your cube three podcast. Oh, my fucking god. <laughs> welcome to your, hey, remember the glass coffin from Saw 4? It's relevant now podcast. <laughs> Oh God, I, I'm Sarah, and I'm joined again for uh, for the uh, as I have been for the September thus far and continuing onwards. I'm joined again by Morgan. Hello, hi. We're at the what the third installment of this, and it's kind of starting to feel like we're running a marathon for me on these <laughs> movies. Like, don't get me wrong, I love this. I loved watching this movie with you. I think it was a fucking fantastic time. But just just coming back in to do week after week on these films is just absolutely tremendous, you know. I <laughs> how do you think that now now you know now finally for the first time since Blair stepped down from the podcast, someone else understands my struggle. <laughs> well, I've done this. I've done this before, right? I watched right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've done this before with Borat. Yeah, I watched Borat weeks in a row. for fifty-two weeks in a row. I was taken to the edge of my goddamn sanity on that one cannot stress enough like how funny that shit sounds in concept but how legitimately and thoroughly it breaks you down piece by piece like, as a human the, being the thing is like i i have not attempted something of this variety but the thing is that like the first couple of times you're like oh there's the novelty to this but like time 27 it's or like oh my time God. 33 yeah that's the those are the times through that are just like i have no will we, to live we thought we were gonna have to quit that fucking podcast like by the time i like <laughs> literally by the time we had watched it like 15 times we said okay i don't know how much longer we can keep this going for and then you know uh, covid started happening and lockdown happened and we were like okay well I guess we'll keep this going just because it's nice to have a regular schedule where you can come into this shit, clock into the fucking Borat mines on a weekly basis and talk about this crap. But since then, you know, I've also done Resident Evil. We talked about all the Resident Evil movies, but even the Resident Evil films are not as just perennially exhausting and convoluted to consider as the fucking the is, the Saw <laughs> franchise, a series of 90-minute nonsense films that just the fucking is, the break is, you down into your core components by the fifth installment. It's complete opposite ends of the spectrum for those movies. Like, the, if you look at the Resident Evil versus this, like, Resident Evil movies are like, there is... I mean, I'm sure... I know that there is... I've played a handful of Resident Evil games. I know that there is a larger overarching story with Wesker and shit, but like at the end of the day, mostly boils down to there is Umbrella Corporation bad. Here is the monster of the movie. Uh, Here is your locale. Go nuts. You say that. And you say that. You really do. But okay. by the time you get to Resident Evil Afterlife and Resident Evil Retribution, those movies are on a level of nonsense masturbatory lore that is... Almost, if not quite, on par with the Saw franchise in terms of okay, how wow. just up its own ass it becomes by the yeah, end. Yeah, honestly, like, like I from what I played of Saw, or not, from what I played of Saw 5, from what I played of Resident Evil 5, I kind of got that vibe that they were really taking that direction. Yeah, like, in the movies, the movies, like, just crank that up, right? By the, right. by uh, Resident Evil Retribution, which is the fifth one, uh, it's just like, 
referencing the first Resident Evil movie, doing metatextual references to other films in the franchise, rolling back scenes that you should have seen before, bringing back dead characters as clones, doing secret retcons, like just all the same kind of bullshit we're dealing with with Saw 5. So I do feel like that prepared me to talk about this franchise and talk about what is probably in terms of the narrative, in terms of narrative structure just one of the fastest and loosest movies i've ever seen in my entire life with saw five <laughs> saw v this, you won't believe this, how it ends is the tagline of this one honestly honestly of all of the saw movies i believe how this one ends the most yeah this has this has like one of my favorite endings but also one of the least intense in terms of twisty turny plot stuff you know like It all takes place inside of flashbacks and double-nested flashbacks, and it's sort of impossible in this film to tell when chronologically literally any event is happening at any given time, but at the same time, the ending is probably the most cut-and-dry of any of these, right? Like, it's less of a twist and more of a badass moment, you know? The the thing that really throws me a lot about this movie, which is, like, I... I... (laughs) I will be, as of the movies we've done so far, I'll be the least able to rank this on a scale of 1 to 5 yeah. or 0 to 5 yeah. because I'm just not really sure how I feel. Oh, God. But um, the thing is that, like, normally in, like, a movie, to when a flashback happens, it's like, you know, character, like, looks at a photograph of, a like, a dead parent and they're like, oh, and then, like, they remember, like, you know, some, there's, like, some radial blur on the, on, like, some happy sun di- sunny days of them being pushed on a swing or whatever. But the thing is that, like, Saw will just, like, end a scene in the present day and then the next scene will just be a, a flashback. flashback that it was unprompted by the pre- prior scene totally and sometimes also not connected to the following scene either yeah, absolutely it's just kind of just kind of thrown in there with no consideration for like whose flashback this is i fucking love this movie <laughs> i really do it is it is one of i think the most entertaining films in this whole franchise it's not good like traditionally no. you know no. i I think if you were if you were Poss- possibly like if if I was to if I was to look at this from strictly a a um strictly like a film a film F-I-M-F-I-L-M-E point of view this would probably be my lowest rated because like as much as I hated as much as I hated four and didn't really like two all that much um I think that like both of them are like more movies this one's more of just like kind of like a flashing light show yeah this is like this is a series of associations it's like it's like when (laughs) you you die and your life flashes before your eyes with no real sort of connection or or through line right yeah, but you know what though? Like this may just be a series of flashing images. But you know, you know, my cat. Well, I don't have a cat. I I have a cat. My dog can be maintained, can be entertained for hours on end with a single flashing. Totally, light. totally, absolutely. Yeah, I I had a great time watching this movie with you. It's one of my favorite in this whole franchise. Just, it's just. I just don't, like you said, from a filmmaking perspective, and that's really what gnaws at me about these films, right? Is that I, as much like stupid crap as I consume and legitimately enjoy on a regular basis, I do have, you know, like, like sort, of, sort of a classical taste in, in film, like at least a knowledge, right, of how a film should right. be made, you know? And this movie, 
flies in the face of, I think, every single established narrative, filmmaking, and cine- cinematography, like, like just it's cinematic so convention it's, ever it's, established. It's, but it works. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I say this as a compliment or an insult. I'm still not sure myself, but it's almost like Wiseau-esque <laughs> in nature. This is like, so, so the thing about this movie, and I think we'll get into it because we got to start talking about this, is that <laughs> we do. In this film, the stuff that is narrative of this movie, that is not just the trap house, the the, the Hoffman trap house of this narrative, is all just... At this point, I think the thing about the Saw franchise is that it's become a huge game of telephone, right? Where... We're, yes, we're, we're, yes, that has been my. I, I, you, you've, you've been subject to me being on the uh, receiving end of this telephone. Yeah, well, what it is is like, like James Wan makes the first movie, right? And he has this style that's very sort of uh, informed by industrial culture, like industrial music videos, you know, like this kind of Nine Inch Nails, uh, Tetsuo right, the it's, Iron it's, Man it's, stylistic it's... stuff. And then Darylin Boosman picks that up and he interprets that without really getting what it means. And then another writer comes in and interprets that without really getting what it means. And then finally they pass it off to uh, director David Hackle and writers Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. And they have no idea what this fucking means. So this, so this style they've established at the beginning of this film has has gone through all these different permutations and interpretations all it's shadows it's the shadows on the cave yeah. like, like nested four times deep the thing about this movie that i'm getting at is like at this point it's almost in the realm of self-parody in terms of how convoluted the plot twist are how hacky and soap opera-esque the narrative stuff is how just stupid the like slow-mo cuts and people screaming and like trap scenes have become and it really gets to a point where you're like cruising altitude with these films where you're like all right this is it like this is the good shit right here Oh god! But we do we do have to start talking about this film. Totally, yeah. I don't want this to be a two and a half hour podcast on Saw fucking five. You won't believe how it ends. <laughs> that would be, that would break our record for our longest. Episode. Oh Christ! No, no, you gotta rein this shit in. We can't, we can't. I can't have okay. that on my conscience. So, so we open with a trap in which, um, okay. So, sorry to immediately go off a go off on the side here, but. So the, Trapped in this, like, fucking uh, Edgar Allan Poe pit in the pendulum uh, type shit is uh, a guy who's got, like, Adam Waffen and, you know, Nazi bolts and a bunch of, you know, Nazi tattoos on him. Yeah. And it is, this is immediately signaling to me that there has been a major change in the victim selection process. And I think this is where my wires were getting crossed. Uh-huh. Where, like, because I, I was talking with my, I was talking with, um, with my friend Caradwin about this, about how, like, I had come into this with the, inter- with the idea that, like, Jigsaw was supposed to be, like, somewhat correct, even if his methods were a lot. And, like, the victims that he picked in this movie are, like, kind of deserving. Yeah, like, this is the first movie where everybody who's in a trap is like, oh, yeah, this person deserved to be in the fucking trap, right? Right. Like, you, like, like jumping ahead a bit, like, we have this, like, this, 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 this stack of five people, and compared to the last time we had a stack of people who are, who are, like, trapped in a room, who are, like, trapped in a series of tasks with, with, uh, with themselves, and they have a uniting factor, the last time it was all of these people got jailed for under, under Donnie Wahlberg being a bad cop being like forging evidence and stuff. Whereas this time it's these five people 
did uh, murdered eight homeless people in order to sell some land. Yeah, totally, totally. It, it, it flips back around to where in these in these previous movies, Jigsaw is putting people in traps to punish somebody else and put the other person in a moral dilemma. But now the the punishment has switched to no, you are in this trap. You have done something bad. We are directly punishing you. And and I, I you know I hate to say it, I hate to hand it to him, but uh. Hoffman kind of right for this one. <laughs> I yeah, it's I, and I guess this is like this is cogent with the rest of the movie being like how Hoffman is now the successor to Jigsaw because and okay another thing that I have to bear umbrage against this movie for that we have not yet gotten because we are in the very first scene. Why do they have to undo all of Amanda's contributions? Do they? Is that is that what they end up doing? Because um... like, because like, because like, it turns out that like instead of Amanda being the the sole operator that with well, I mean, I mean aside, instead of Amanda being the sole operator in Saw Two, now Hoffman like set all of that up and put all those pieces in place, and like he was Jigsaw's true understudy. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think I. I mean, she definitely she definitely was working the wires from the inside, but like to add adding Hoffman to the other side of the, to that to that to that equation really takes a lot away from i think amanda i i agree with you on one hand i think it's kind of like what you said on one of the prior episodes about you know filling the jar with marbles and filling the jar with sand yeah and filling the jar <laughs> yeah. with this and that because the big it, i mean it is also that it is also yeah that. I just yeah don't i, I, don't, I don't think amanda. it like takes away from amanda in the sense of like her being the one to set up these traps. I it, like this whole movie because because I I've mentioned this on this podcast before. This whole movie just exists to retcon Hoffman into the first four films, right? right? Like that's literally the only purpose of this film. And so it's like I I feel that the sense you get especially when we move into Saw 6 is that the Jigsaw collective is sort of a collaborative effort. Because once we roll into Saw 6 and start getting flashbacks, we learn that Amanda was also there setting up a lot of these traps. And the big twist of Saw 7, to kind of telegraph this, because I know you've done this on the podcast before, is that the Doctor from the first movie, Lawrence Gordon, is also a secret Jigsaw apprentice. And he was also helping set up this shit in addition <laughs> to Hoffman and Amanda despite never so, being so, seen in the previous six films. So, so wait, I, I'm sorry. I, it was absolutely a mistake to watch Saw 7 without having watched any of the other prior ones. I made a mistake in my horror... Like, any... Literally, I think, any other horror movie franchise, you can just jump in when the fuck ever and you'll be fine. Okay, excluding Resident Evil as we just discussed. But, like... I don't think I could have understood a movie less than going into Saw Seven. Yeah, you cold. should you should rewatch it after we've done these because you'll you'll appreciate a lot of the bullshit a lot more. But yeah, uh, Hoffman Hoffman's here. He's doing the traps now. But his first one, like you said, is an Ed Growl and Poe trap. It's Pit in the Pendulum. It this movie literally starts on a dark and stormy night. It's so fucking funny. Like they 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 get into this. Uh, he's this this Nazi is is chained to this trap. Um, we get our first Billy puppet moment right off the bat. He comes on and uh, he says this line, which you'll want to remember for a future installment. He says, hello, hello, Nick. Uh, I want to play a game right now. You're feeling helpless. And much like the glass coffin, that one's going to come back. And I, I don't have a lot of notes on this. I said, you know, I, I need to I need to express the the experience that I just had, which is you saying, Jigsaw said a line that's going to come into play later, and I was like, oh, was there some foreshadowing? And the line is just, right now you feel helpless, which is like, yeah. 
that's so nothing Trust of a me. line to you come gotta... up. Like this is this is a, this is I, I like this is Chekhov's gun, but like if Chekhov's gun was like I don't fucking It's like, like if Chekhov's gun was like somebody like dropping a candy bar wrapper on the ground. Like it's not something you'd ever think of because this this is just a line in in like it's just a jigsaw line, right? Like it's no more. It's it, right. it's no it's, again. It's it's the, it's the jar full of marbles. Yeah, again. yeah, like totally. They... <laughs> like it has nothing to do with anything. But in Saw Six, they they pull this line to become one of I, I think literally my favorite scene in the entire franchise. It's so fucking good. Oh, I'm so excited to watch Saw Six. But um, they they but yeah. So so the 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 Nazi is like tied up in Mickey's hand smasher with the pit. He's got to put his hands in Mickey's hand smasher, or else he'll be put in, or else he'll get his tummy guts ripped out by the pendulum. And Jake says like, for your entire life, you have used your hands to hurt people. Will you use them to hurt yourself? And like, all I can think of is um, did, have you have you you've seen Full Metal Lock? You've seen like some iteration of Full Metal. Yeah, Lock, I've watched right? I've watched all of Brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah, so you remember that part at the end when okay, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood spoilers, but um, remember that part at the end when Roy Mustang goes blind and Father is like, ah, it's so ironic that everyone lost the most important thing to something so ironic, and like he goes over like four genuinely actually ironic things that like Ed and Al and Hohenheim and whoever the fourth person besides Mustang was to get caught up in that that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, and then he turns to Mustang and he's like. And the to, to the man with blind ambition, <laughs> yeah. the man who's always looking forward, doing the fucking like <laughs> Doctor Evil pinky move on that one. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah. totally. It's this one's just I like I just like I would also be put in this trap, but for my posts, and I would have to crush my hand so I could not post any longer. It's like it's like it, it serves up a whole menu, right? Like if you're putting in someone the trap for bad posting, you could like be workshopping it. Like okay, like do I do I take their eyes because they don't want to see the keyboard? Do I take their hand? because they're typing it you know do i take their tongue yeah. because they're saying bad shit on the internet so hoffman got a little bit interpretive with this one uh yeah he does not he's, complete he... the trap or he does complete the trap but it's inescapable he does complete the trap yeah. it's just uh, it's just inescapable yeah i'm starting to think that J i'm starting to think that john kramer is the only one who had any interest in making shit escapable well they have to they have to fucking set them up as inescapable right because <laughs> people want to see people die in these traps right like no one wants to go to the fucking theater halloween night and see the fucking nazi escape the trap at the beginning of Saw <laughs> five like right, like he just sure, crushes his I'm, hands I'm, and it's like all right trap over he just gets up and walks out you know i'm i'm also just i mean also the opinion this guy could also just not do the full monty like like the guy in the last movie like the rapist like comes like gouges out like one and a half of his eyes uh -huh. and then just gets <laughs> just gets yanked limb from yeah. limb like a fucking bionicle but then we see this guy get sliced open like he's a ham on the fucking <laughs> deli counter by this pendulum there's all these like shots of him slow-mo screaming like just just absurd filmmaking at this point hoffman is watching this happen through a peephole in the world's dirtiest glass window and then we don't know this immediately but later we find out like three-fourths of this the way into the movie that this was a flashback yeah. <laughs> i cannot believe i've i've taken i've undertaken this endeavor to talk about this fucking it's like it's like talking about I'm... fucking infinite jest on a podcast there's just no way to connect it it's like we're doing a fucking podcast on naked lunch it's just incomprehensible <laughs> Oh my god, fucking Pulp Fiction ass podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I did a podcast about Pulp Fiction, it was easier than talking about sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, because Pulp Fiction is one goddamn movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> you didn't have to have three movies worth of lore to understand what the fuck John Travolta was saying in Pulp Fiction. Okay, uh, so we we go we, we go back to the end of Saw three again, uh, and Jeff is like, "Where's?" We see Jeff Sean. Where's my daughter? And then he gets plugged by Strom. Yeah. And then the door the door shuts, and it's the end of Saw four because Hoffman shuts Strom in, and then uh, he. F- <laughs> Oh, he finds a fucking secret, like, door with, like, glow paint all over it, so we have now retconned the ending of Saw 3 for, like, the third discreet time. <laughs> and he finds, like, a tape recorder dangling in the air there, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll take this. Yeah, yeah, and we hear, we hear, um... Like this is this 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 more than the more than any other. This is the start of like an adventure game. Yeah, totally, like, totally. Like like you wake like like uh, like uh fucking what was the what was the game David Cage did before uh Heavy Rain? Uh, it's like it's like Ultraviolet or like Blacklight. Indigo, Indigo, Indigo Prophecy. Indigo, Indigo, Indigo Prophecy. Prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like you know how that game starts in media res with you like in the bathroom like with a dead body and like you gotta cover up the murder before someone. Comes I'll be honest. The, I am not. I am not a scholar of David Cage. I. I'm only this I am only, only familiar only with, with, with good games heavy rain and good games Detroit become human. <laughs> but uh this just feels like I don't know, like the opening of that, like you wake up and you someone's someone's like someone you shoot someone and someone's wife is hamburgers her face has become hamburgers yeah. because of a shotgun big, necklace. Big and then, point and click you, adventure game vibes on this one. Right, you wake up and you like you you press on a door and you the door opens and you like grab the tape recorder and like tape recorder huh yeah like a zero escape wonder what's on you know it. like something like that like uh murder <laughs> mystery shit but um sure yeah 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 he, he gets this tape recorder and jigs it's jigsaw's voice but god zero escape is the saw of video games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he so he picks up the tape recorder right and it's jigsaw voice but we learn later this is this is hoffman doing jigsaw voice uh yeah you can you can definitely tell it's a, it's a little voice. it's a little throatier yeah he's got that he's got that gruffness to him you can tell you can yeah, tell someone with some dick sucking hair. lips is recording this voice <laughs> john kramer just assembling a team of the world's best sex havers <laughs> He's the glizzy gulper. Hoffman's got those DSLs. Oh my god! Amanda, Amanda probably, Amanda probably will just strap like no one. Yeah, business. are you kidding me? We watched fucking Saw three for this podcast. You, you fucking know what's up with her. Yes. No. Oh my god. Doctor Gordon's definitely doing some freak shit. You've seen how Carrie Elwes acts in these movies. He's he's absolutely. Up to some pervert just shit. A, just, uh, this is <laughs> Jigsaw's assembling the Avengers of sex. <laughs> oh Christ Almighty! Oh, God. So, uh, cockeye. Strom goes through this fucking secret Dayglow paint door. We are thirty minutes into this podcast, five <laughs> minutes into this movie, and he yep. it's Saw, baby. Yeah, that's fucking Saw. He goes down this secret passageway in the bathroom. Or not the bathroom, it's it's the fucking surgery room. Every room in this movie looks exactly the fucking same. And he gets got by the pig. The pig uh, comes out, which I suppose is Hoffman. Or maybe Dr. Gordon, who knows? 
It's impossible to say. Yeah. Um, I do just want to say that my notes here say that Jigsaw is the world's best poster, just doing it to him from beyond the grave. Yeah, totally. He had this one queued up on Twitter, it's, scheduled it's, posting. It's, you know, you know that, that it's it's that drill tweet about one last rep, except for it's like fifty last reps. Fifty last like, reps. You, yeah, head, totally. Your head, your head gets cut off, and then like 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 the smashing of a spider egg, like the smashing of like a spider nest, like lets tons of baby spiders out. The the decapitation of my head causes thousands of tapes to spill out of my mouth. Yeah, totally. They're just like spawning into the world, right? Like that's that's Jigsaw's fucking Dead by Daylight perk is that when he dies, it just auto spawns cassette tapes into the world. But it's 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 it's, it's a story trigger. If you want to speed run Saw, you have to make sure Jig, you have to make sure Jig, you cannot skip the cutscene in which Jigsaw dies or else it never spawns the the cassette tapes over the world. Yeah, so Strom gets got by the pig and then uh we have one of my favorite fucking shots in this whole film. This shot, I literally screamed out. This loud. shot will mean nothing. Well, it will mean nothing to some people, but we get this shot where Strom is put in the big gulp trap, which is this plexiglass cube attached to two office water coolers. But the way they introduce this trap is there is a black screen, and then the camera slowly zooms in on his head in this trap, and it is a fucking dead ringer for anybody who is brain poisoned as i am it is exactly the fucking same as the beginning of the first resident evil movie where they do this exact same fucking zoom into the test lab where they are producing the t-virus like just a one for fucking one and it makes me cackle like a maniac every goddamn time even even without that context i still just fucking shriek it's so funny it's It's so so good this movie kicks ass it's so much fun so strom is in the slurper trap again jigsaw's obsession with glizzy gulping making an all-time return right at the beginning of saw 5 with the radiohead no surprises trap i kind of (laughs) i kind of expected given the prevalence with which i i was like i was extremely familiar with this trap in a way that i was with like the like the whole house in Saw three or whatever yeah. to a point that like I didn't I either a expected this to be like a climactic moment or b like an overart like a, a framing device for this film like this would like this would be uh Ho- this would be Strom's like Hoffman and uh uh, uh Mike Michaels Matthews uh, Eric Matthews yeah. Eric, yeah, Hoffman and Matthews uh, on this on the electric seesaw for this movie, and it would just like be slowly trickling in. But no, it just, just right up the, at the, the front, water. Yeah. The water just comes. The water just comes gushing in, and Hoffman makes no attempt to drink any of it, and just gives himself a tracheotomy. Yeah, yeah. Strom is like, like, like. I, I there's this great tweet where it's like, uh, if I was caught in the fucking saw, you know, water trap, I would simply gulp it all with my large mouth, which is what Strom should have done here. Uh, this is so funny to me because this is one of the images of this franchise I was obsessed with before I watched these movies. The image of Strom in the goldfish tank trap is what they use in a lot of the promotional advertising for this film. And so I remember seeing the promotional posters for this a lot like how I saw the promotional posters for Saw 4 with the pig mask and the high heels and the handcuffs and like the weirdo chair. And I was like, oh, this trap is going to kick ass. I bet when I watch these movies, this is going to be so cool. And it's literally just Strom in like a Ziploc box with fucking two... It's a drowning box. Yeah, it's like two literal office water cooler tanks hooked up to the There's not even... There's, there's like... I mean, I guess 
theoretically the test is can you give your do you have a pen on your person can you give yourself a self can you give yourself a trade yeah because i suppose the point of this trap is that strom's not supposed to escape right like hoffman puts him in this so it looks like a jigsaw trap but he wants strom dead right and and right. so instead of just gulping doing the big slurp strom is able to escape by giving himself the trach with the with the ballpoint pen and uh, then this is immediately like 10 minutes in this movie where the narrative gets so off center and unhinged that I'm completely unable to follow because it aside it, it, from it some cuts, discreet moments. It, we, we get the denouement of, of him giving himself the trach and like breathing through his neck hole. And then do we get the exterior where like Hoffman is on is out of the building and they recover? Yeah, uh, Strom, Hoffman. Do... Hoffman is I think leaving the building uh, after the events of Saw Four. He is carrying out uh, what's his face's daughter, Jeff's daughter. Yep. Which she was just been in a room for the last two films with like no indication whatsoever. Is she important to Saw Six? I, I actually yes, I believe so. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not surprised. I was asking that question, like knowing full well what the fucking answer was. I think was. I think she shows up in a quick appearance to reveal a quick plot point about Hoffman's whole deal. But yeah, you know what these movies? You know what these movies feel like? What? These movies feel like the fucking butterfly effect. <laughs> like like like. Like, in movie three, Jeff flapped his wings in a specific way that, like, made things cascade this way. Like, like okay. Sorry to make everything fucking Higurashi, but I, I, I've been... Higurashi, similar to this, is a brain worm. And, um, do you, do you mind if I give, like, story structure yeah, spoilers that's fine. for Higurashi? That's fine, I don't mind. Okay. So, basically, the, the first three chapters of Higurashi are, like, different iterations of, like, a couple of weeks in late June in the town of Hanamizawa where fucked up things happen. And, like, in the first one, like... Most of the main cast goes is dies or goes missing, and the same is true of in the second one and the third one as well. Uh-huh. Then in the fourth one, we have like a flashback to like five years before the events that took place over the first three chapters, and there is like some some table setting for like what was happening in this village before before everything that we have experienced so far as the reader. And I do not know if this is the case yet because I've only finished half of Higurashi. But my current read of it is just that, like, the chapter, the fourth chapter is just a, the setting up the pieces on the board, and each other chapter is just a way that the pieces could have fallen on the board. Uh-huh. And the first three chapters are that, the way pieces could have just gotten toppled over. Um, the Saw franchise is just one permutation of the way things could have fallen over. Like, we could have easily been, like, this could have been, I, I know this is just, like, uh, this is a weird thing to be talking about, I guess, but, like, like, this could have just easily been, like, the Troy franchise instead of the story of Jeff and his daughter. Like, Troy, the guy who was, like, in the Hellraiser trap and, and saw three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Like, like it, just, it just feels like a complete, like, happenstance as to which characters become pivotal and which do not based on the whims of the next movie's director. Absolutely, yeah. It's literally just them saying, oh, shit, we have to make a sequel to this. Like, what plot points can we scrape off the floor, like, wood shavings from this prior film and, and connect to the rest of this shit? And it's so funny that they do that because instead of just, like, doing a Jason, you know, Friday the 13th type situation or a Nightmare on Elm Street situation where they just kind of wing it, they double down and everything and they say, no, you, you've got to know all this shit. You have to have a fucking degree in Saw lore to understand anything that happens in this film. So uh, they, they get out. Everyone gets out. Um... Well, I mean, Hoffman gets out, and then Strom gets out, and you see him being wheeled out on a gurney or whatever. 
And uh, my next note here is Hoffman, which means nothing to me. And then John Kramer Magazine, which I think is where Jill, <laughs> yeah, Jill Tuck cause, goes cause, to cause go the... see her uh, <laughs> lawyer or whatever. So what happens is the scene ends with Hoffman being like, oh, I was the one who got it alive. Then he sees Strom being carried out with a stretcher and a hole in his throat. And he's like, oh, fuck, that's probably not good for me. Um... And then it just, like, hard cuts to, like, someone reading, like, not Time magazine. Uh, and uh, and it's just, like, John Kramer on the cover of it. And it's it, it says, it's, I wrote down the, the specific, New Mercury magazine. Is that an actual magazine? I highly doubt it, but I will do a quick Google while you explain the rest of this. So, okay, it. That it is not it is not a, a magazine. No, there there's the American Mercury, mm. but that is not this. This it just looks like yeah, time. it looks like it's, time. It's, it's John Kramer on the front, fucking front cover of Time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like this does seem like a thing that would be would make the front pages of Time if if real yeah, for sure. But what happens is that basically Jigsaw, Jill Tuck is doing like divorce proceedings with Jigsaw. God. <laughs> Post with with dead jigsaw. This is where this and, is where they they. Like, I mean, I don't know if there's any redeeming what they did to Jill Tuck and Saw Four, but this is where Jill Tuck becomes a much more enjoyable character because at this point she is like Jigsaw's ex girl she, boss. She's a milfy widow. Yeah, exactly. She's a, a milfy. Yeah, widow she's now. a she's a widow whose husband died under mysterious circumstances, <laughs> ostensibly. Right. Yeah, and um, we get we get Jigsaw's Jigsaw's my final message changed the world goodbye tape to Jill. My final my final message. <laughs> like really just like condensing jigsaw's entire ideology into a presentation where he like because jill tuck's clinic is like for like mainly frequented by like just disenfranchised people in one way or another yeah like, you know a lot of like drug cases and such and he's like he's like i let you be sympathetic to those to those people and it's it's uh <laughs> it's a little much yeah I, I don't. Yeah, and Jigsaw and Jigsaw leaves her a box, which does not come up again. In no, this movie, no. There is this this scene where she's in her lawyer's office is like the most this series has ever looked like a soap opera, like just absolutely made for TV cinematography and staging here. So they 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 do this whole shit where Jill gets famous Dead by Daylight item Jigsaw's box, which is just this big lacquered black box. Uh, that she has a key to open. You know, it, it's like Mulholland Drive, right? Everyone loves David Lynch. Uh, they're, they're just doing Mulholland Drive. She opens the box. We don't know what's in it, dot, 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 yet. But perhaps one day we shall find out. Right, I mean, that's that's the entirety of this movie. This entire, like, this entirety of this franchise. Like, because Saw, Saw 3 and 4 did the exact same thing. Because Saw 3 has uh, Amanda, has Saw, Saw 3 has Amanda reading that letter, and then Saw 4 has... We actually don't know what the contents of that letter are, do we? Yet, because no, but Saw I, Four I think, was just like, "Hey, Hoffman wrote this I one." I think if we don't find out in this one, I think maybe we find out in the next one. I I can't remember when the letter comes up again. I thought it was in this movie, but but you probably have more thorough notes than I do, so we'll get to it eventually. Uh, I my notes are not as thorough for this one. I just kind of let the I just kind of let the wind carry me on this one, which was a mistake because this is the only one. This is the first one that we've done for September that was not recorded same day as the watching of sure, it. Sure, totally. Um, I do have the I do have I the saw wiki open to guide us through this unguidable film. <laughs> so uh it says next year we get oh, oh it's the scene where hoffman is at the uh, police station or like at the police presentation and the fucking chief of police he's getting a promotion yeah, the yeah. chief of police comes out and says like the funniest line he's like good news the jigsaw murders are over 
It's in Bush Mission Accomplished. Yeah, fucking Hoffman standing there with the Jigsaw Accomplished uh, banner in the he background. He looks so goofy. Like, this entire movie is hypothetically to like be like, Hoffman's Hoffman's that new shit. He's the new Jigsaw. He fucking, he frames Strom. Look at how cool he And like, I just cannot help but see him as just bumbling through this He's movie. He's so funny. Like, like, I love the guy, the, the guy that plays him. His name is Custos Mandalore. He's Australian. His performance great in name. this movie is so good. I love him in this franchise because every you know, okay, every I, I have to I I have a comparison to make in terms of looks. Okay, you know that one like that one really buff guy in the black t shirt that looks kind of like yes, Eagle yes, Raptor? yes, yes. That's exactly what he <laughs> looks like. Hoffman. Hold on, hold on. That that guy that guy is the Eagle Raptor. What uh, Cust? What was his name? Custer. I have no fucking Custer, idea. I have no idea. No, the, the guy, the guy Hoffman. Oh, oh, is Hoffman. oh, Custis, uh, Custis Mandalore is his name. Custis, th- that guy is to Aaron Hansen, Eagle Raptor, as Custis Mandalore is to Brendan Fraser. Yeah, totally, totally. I am. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing about Hoffman, and oh. this is not, a, this is not a knock about his actor because I think it's great. In every single scene in this, and especially Saw Six, he looks like he just ate a very large meatball sub before filming, and is about to sweat <laughs> through all of his clothes. And that is, like, the entirety of Hoffman's performance in this, and especially in Saw 6. Saw 6 is literally just, uh, Lieutenant Hoffman wants a quiet life. Like, that is the plot of Saw 6. And so... And it's art. Yeah, yeah. Like, Saw 6 is going to kick so much ass. It is him basically being Kira Yoshikage for an hour and a half doing Jigsaw shit. So Hoffman gets promoted. He's up there doing, like, a very obvious, like, Jigsaw speech where he's, like... If this if this case has taught us anything, it's that we all have to cherish our lives. And then he goes. He is the most suspicious. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> there's a there's a moment later that we'll talk about where he is just basically like, "Damn, that was, that's fucked up." That I yeah. We'll talk. We'll yeah, get there. We'll uh, get he there. does his he does his speech, his acceptance speech. He goes back to his office and finds a letter that he opens and it just says, I know who you are. And I don't think we ever find out in this movie who left that there. And then he is informed that Agent Perez, who was the girl in Saw 4, we get a flashback of when she looks at Billy the Puppet getting ready for his grinder date and then he explodes on her face. Uh, we find out that she has died from those injuries thanks to Strom. Uh, Hoffman shows up, and Strom is there with his trach bandage. Why, why did they feel that? I I just do not understand why Perez's death had to be like I have juggled up in the air for. A I movie. have to assume that they left her there as a thread that they may pick up in Saw Five, and then they either decided they didn't want to, or she wasn't available to film, and so they just didn't bring her back. Like that's the only reason I can really think of for it. But Strom mm-hmm. is there, and he has his trach bandage. And Strom in this movie, he talks like Bob Odenkirk doing like Jigsaw voice, where he's super gravelly for the entire time. Where he's like, Agent Perez said said your name before she died, Hoffman. Why did she? S- <coughs> I can't do it. I can't do the Strom voice because it's going to blow up my throat. But right, I mean, because he's he's doing a he's doing honestly an admirable job, like playing a guy who has a whole totally, in his throat. totally, yeah. But he does speak in that exact voice for this entire film. Right, though. Until I realized what was happening, I thought he was just like doing a really bad job of acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've got a quick question for you. There are a lot of people who watch this movie and say that Strom and Hoffman look exactly the same. 
I don't agree with that. I I I I don't think I don't think they look exactly the same, but there was definitely one or two scenes of this movie where I saw like I saw Strom and I was like, "Oh, what's Hoffman doing?" Yeah, here? I think that they have a similar hairstyle and they both are very yes. like I don't know of what robust looking men, you know, they have, I have to say, I have to, yeah, they're, they're both, I get, they are both built like the ego, the buff ego raptor man in the black Yeah, shirt. Strom, it's like, it's like you said about Mark Hoffman, uh, fucking Custis Mandalore being Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Strom, Strom is that, but Bob Odenkirk to me, like something about him just looks like Bob Odenkirk. I think it's his eyes. Let me, let me take a look, let me take a look at him. What's, uh, what's, what's Strom's let me first see. name? Agent, Agent Strom. Uh, I, yeah, I think if you did, like, a side-by-side of Bob Odenkirk, like, especially in these ones where he's scowling, right, like... Oh, I can really, I can see, if you cut off the hairline, it's, like, a dead ringer for Yeah, me. yeah, like, totally. Like, this is, like, this is, like, older, this is, like, much older Bob Odenkirk, which is strange, because they're probably about the same Yeah, age. totally. Bob Odenkirk is just, like, this dude, but not all fucked up and, and, and soft-eyed, you know? Uh, but I do, I do think that comparison is, is there for me. Uh, where, where are we in this? So, so he finds out that, uh, Perez has died, and then we find out that the last thing she said was Hoffman's name, and so Strom right. is immediately suspicious, and then, Yep, um, he's, he, uh, but then, uh, Strom's superior, who, I don't know if this guy, did this guy even get a name? Let me see here, uh, Erickson, Special Agent Dan Erickson. Erickson, yeah. Special Agent Dan Erickson, uh, Special Agent Eric Danielson, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> he says... Strom, you you got too many. You got you you were you're off the case. You you got too many people killed, which is and true on, technically. Yeah. On, on one hand, yes, it's true that he did get a lot of people killed, but also like I <laughs> I do not like like baseball has the stat wins above replacement, which is like a, a numerical derivement of how many wins you generated that another average player would not have gotten if they if they were in your place. Like you know, someone like uh, like a Shohei Otani or a Mike Trout to name a couple of Angels players, those are the first who came to mind. Like they have a very high wins above replacement because they are such phenomenal players that the average player that they make such a difference in their games that the average player would not be able yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Like. Hoffman, Hoffman's like like mortalities below replacement here is like it's just as it's just a flat zero. Like no one would have gotten fewer mortalities than he than he could have gotten out of this. I don't. Yeah, think. totally. Or Strom, Strom. Yeah. Like I think I think Strom did like as like I do not want to sound like I'm praising a cop here. I'm just saying like I think Strom just kind of got Delta bum. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, funny it, that his supervisor is like, "Your negligence led to this." It's happening. a no-win situation, right? Like you are literally dealing with a serial killer who puts people in trap houses and is like, "I, right, they ain't getting out." Like once, once, you, once okay, somebody on, is put into a jigsaw trap, you just have to write that one off. You know, like, like, like <laughs> there's no way. The thing about this is that we get Hoffman coming in and. I think we I think we said it was clocking a double at the murder factory because right <laughs> yeah. off the heels of helping orchestrate everything in Saw Three and Saw Four, he is going straight into another big jigsaw trial. Like just hitting them back to fucking back on this. Like yeah. say what you will about the man, but you gotta admire his worth at work ethic. <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely grinding it out at the at the at the murder factory. Totally, totally. But so we we we, we do uh we do a fun transition of like we get like the the like the isometric uh angle of the of the five people in the of the little like miniature diorama of the of the everything uh of the of the murder scene and then we just like do like a, a cut like a, a a shot for shot cut to 
uh, to the exact same thing, but of real people. And we see our five entrance in this homicide in this in this uh wraparound that's this wraparound this trap around if you ah. will that is covering this entire movie which is we've got uh we've got uh, a fire inspector lady who's not really important because she doesn't last very long we got a journalist we got a trust fund baby um we've got a a real estate developer and a uh an employee at the city of planning and the 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 twitter blue check right did you mention the uh, the journalist guy did you say that Okay. Yeah, 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 the Twitter, yeah, the Twitter picture. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about this now for the first time since since we watched it. Yes, I'm thinking about this part of it right now. What relevance does any of this have to the overarching None. plot of this movie? Because because okay, do you want to just tackle this now and then we can talk about Hoffman yeah, let's, and Strong's let's, let's, let's like just fun get through adventures. the trap stuff because this is the first movie where they just say fuck it and they make the traps completely unrelated to the overall narrative right like an literally literally like i'm sitting here and i'm racking my brain looking for a single like the only relations is that hoffman watches and stuff like the cops are not aware of these people missing uh like there's not like a timed hunt to find them it's not like these do not tie into like the 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 hoffman or the strom or the anybody a plot it's just kind of yeah we know what you're here yeah. for come on come get come get some come get some yeah slum. totally like the only the only time this is ever relevant to the plot is where hoffman uses the game to frame strom as the jigsaw killer but you could you could cut all of the trap stuff out and still have a quote unquote cohesive narrative to this film and let me say cohesive narrative and film are all in very heavy air quotes in that sentence <laughs> so let's go ahead let's yeah. just go ahead and blow through the uh blow so, through the traps so here what what happened what happens in this trap is that we get the, the first trap is uh they're all they're all like they all have they all have you know they're all in puppy play mode they got their collars on and they have to make a mad dash for a key at the far end of the room and as soon as one of them dislodges their the pin in their necklace it will make everyone else have to it will it will start the timer and only one person go at a time because the all of the wire that their net that their leashes are, that all the leashes are connected to like one like thing and it's just like whenever someone goes the other four get pulled back a you know to, but uh, basically, what happens is all of them get the key except for the except for the fire inspector lady who gets her head cut off in a. It's a it's an okay one, I it's, guess. It's it's like there's the the collars pull back into these big razor sharp like guillotine V's, and it's mm-hmm. pretty. It, I will say it is pretty funny when she gets decapitated because her yeah. body just gets yoinked back onto this blade, and there's like. This very obvious, like, decapitated, like, mannequin that falls down, and then her head, like, bounces like a basketball off this fucking guillotine. It's pretty good. Um, and then one of, then the, uh, the real estate lady just grabs a bunch, grabs all the keys that she can and goes on to the next room. Um, the next room has got, uh, they have to fish, uh, there, there's three... Like there's four sewer manhole. There's four tunnels in the walls, and they can crawl into them to avoid the nail bombs that are going to go off. A lot of nail bombs in this one, by the way. Like nail bomb. It's not like the first time that they've shown up, but like I feel like the nail bombs are like just a constant thing in this, in a way that they were not in other. Saw Listen, movies. Hoffman is a hard worker. He's not particularly creative. You know, he he's someone who shows a lot of enthusiasm. He shows a lot of, I, I guess, uh, determination. But his solution for everything is basically, yeah, I'll just stick a fucking nail bomb in this room, it's fine. Which, I respect, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
but I I also think it works because they need a reason to keep the people from lingering in each of the rooms. So after a certain yeah, amount sure. of time, yeah, sure, it makes sense. It's just like um the the next trap. Uh, the journalist bites it in this one. Uh, he does not. They they try and like take out the trust fundy, but uh, they instead they decide to kill the journalist. Uh, and then they go to the next room and. They have to get five wires to, like, light up at the same time, and they do that by just killing the the city council planning yeah, lady. Yeah, there's a, there's a tub, right? There's a tub in the middle yeah, of the yeah, room, yeah. and the idea is that you have to make the wires connect somehow in the middle of the tub, and they kill her and just, like, attach these power jacks to her body, and, and that connects the wires to open the door. So, yeah, they kill her, and then they get to the final room, and there's, 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 they realize, oh, we have to bleed into this, into this hole. Um, but then they realize, oh, shit, we were supposed to, we were all supposed to survive the trap. Uh, the first room, one key would have worked for all of us. In the second room, there was enough room for multiple people in the, in the tunnels that we had to get into to escape the nail bombs. And in the third room, if we had all been alive, we could have all just grabbed a wire and then just put our foot in the bathtub and then we could have all just dealt a little bit of, we could have just all felt a little shock. Uh, and then they're like, well, I guess we have to just each instead of, cause the thing is they're asking for 10 pints of blood and it was supposed to originally be two people bleeding, eight, 10 people bleeding two pints a piece, yeah. five people bleeding two pints a piece, but now it's to be, has to be two people bleeding five pints a piece. And they're like, well, let's just get, let's just, let's just start fucking bleeding. Um, they wind up doing it eventually. And, uh, it like the, the cool shot, the, the, the very, the unequivocally cool shot that I would give this entire sequence is like the, the trust fundy has like. Like basically, like if you draw if you draw a line from like between your your ring and middle finger, like up to like your mid forearm, oh, yeah. like that is just like split, and it looks fucking sick. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog yeah, slicing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, they they this is kind of like I would say probably um, this and Saw Six have some of my favorite trap stuff because Saw Five. I don't think any of the traps are particularly wild in the way that a lot of the more intricate uh, mechanisms are in some of the other films, but I think they're all good enough. I think the twist at the end is pretty all right that they were all supposed to work together. I do think it's like kind of obvious, but it's more of a it's more of like a justification than any of the other movies have given because I think. I think, I think that you, like you mentioned, we find out that all these people conspire to burn down a building to like build a stadium or some shit like that, and like eight people died. So right. you know that that all that all tracks for me. And I do really like the rainbow dash blood jar trap at the end. I think that shot of him with his hands split open is really good. So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I had I had alternate I had alternate joke names for all of the traps in this one. I had the um I what had at got? the beginning the laying pipe. Uh, oh no, sorry. The, the beginning is the puppy mode trap. The one Yeah, I I, I literally my notes literally where is it? Oh yeah, the 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 five of them in puppy mode is literally my Yeah, notes. then there's the second one where they have to break all the jars and get in the pipes. That's the laying pipe trap. Then, uh, sure. what is the, did, I don't know if I came up with one for the bathtub. The third trap is the bathtub, uh, yep. what did I, what did I say here? I don't think I said anything, but then the last one was the, uh... Uh, electrified, electrified girl bathwater? Yeah, there we go, that's a good one. I almost like this movie, too, because I wouldn't go so far to give it credit to call it a deconstruction of the Saw formula, but I think this is the first movie where we get awareness from the people who are in the traps about yes, how the I traps was, work. Yes, I was about to say that, yeah. yeah. 
Do you want to yeah. talk about that? Yeah, I just like because there's like these scenes where it's like, uh, hey, don't pull on this or else the pin will go and well, the timer will start. Let's take a minute to assess our surroundings. You're like, don't close the door or else the timer will start because they're like, they're they are cogent of the fact that they are living in the hell universe that is the totally. Saw movie totally, franchise. Yeah. In a way that I really think that I think is really really cool, and like the this also plays into the the way that they like the way that it's like actually you were all supposed to survive this kind of mentality because it's like like you know you go if like if you're going to play if you're going to be on the show Survivor you know the rules of Survivor yeah, yeah like totally. if you lived in the Saw universe long enough you probably know what like you know you're you're in Survivor you know that there's a merger at some point you know there's going to be a hidden immunity idol all those things. Um, and like the way that it plays on those assumptions that the, that the, not only the audience, but also the characters themselves are making, I think is a really smart bit of writing. And I think that's the la- the first and last time you will hear me credit. Totally. This movie with a smart bit <laughs> yeah, of writing. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's like the trap stuff is probably the best it's been. I mean, I do miss the, like, you know, the shit, like the, the, the rack and like the, the hog shit, slurping hog shit with the girl's trap. But <laughs> <laughs> we get more of that in Saw Six, and I think I think the stuff in this is good enough. You... I've been I've been hyped I've been hyped about the start. I've been really excited about the shotgun carousel for as long as we've been as long as we have been prepping for. Yeah, the, the traps in Saw Six are great. Do we, Sarah? I have to ask. Do you feel mentally fortified enough to go down the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole? of attempting to explain literally anything else that happens in the narrative structure of film Saw 5. I think we gotta try. We, I... So what we have just described is the most coherent part of Saw yes, 5. Uh, the, easily. It's, the, it's, there's a start, there is an end. The preceding hour of this podcast has been about as good as it's gonna get in terms of narrative sense for this film... Because, boy, fucking howdy, the rest of this movie is essentially just a series of flashbacks and montages and retcons without any real grounding in chronology or reality or context. Just a parade of scenes and discrete encounters and moments and narrative tidbits that allegedly laid the groundwork for why Hoffman is becoming the new Jigsaw in Strom's investigation. That's what's going to be on the cover of Not Time magazine in the next movie. Yeah. Hoffman, the next Jigsaw? Yeah, and these these moments of narrative, of narrative fluff are interspersed with Detective Strom attempting to figure out the plots of Saw 4 and Saw 3. And I I literally don't even know where to start with this. Should I just start going so down? So I, I let me let me. So my next note after them. So my next note after them getting out of the first trap is that uh, Strom does some digging at the library and runs into his supervisor, and the supervisor's like, "Hey, Strom, what are you doing here?" And Strom is like, "He he's been kicked off the case, so he, he's like being cagey, and he's like, oh, just doing some." You, just just checking in you you're doing good over here i know i'm on medical leave i shouldn't be here but i just you know i couldn't help but check in how, how you guys doing and and, and erickson is just like hey see see ya um and we cut to like a flashback of hoffman quote-unquote discovering the body as a cop uh well not discovering like looking at the crime scene where the 
where the murder victim that he killed was, the Nazi. And this is where we have the flashback of, this is where we learned that this thing at the start of the movie was a flashback. This is also a flashback. Um, oh. And Hoffman... And- <laughs> <laughs> and 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 in this mo in this moment of like the present flashback, not the one where he's flashing back to killing the guy, the present flashback. Oh my he he's god. like he's like, "Oh my god, I know this guy. He he killed he he killed my he killed my uh he killed my he killed my sister. Oh my god. That oh man, sure glad someone took care of this guy." And it's just like the most like I know it's under the guy. I know, like at this point, like Jigsaw, Jigsaw, like John Kramer's dead. Well, John Kramer's still alive at the point of the yes, flashback. because this flashback is taking place before any of the events of the Saw movies that we have seen. This flashback with the pendulum trap takes place <laughs> before the events of Saw One. <laughs> Because what happens after this is that Hoffman gets got by by John Kramer, and John Kramer's like, "Hey, imitation's not a form of flattery. It's insulting, especially when your traps suck shit." And he's like, just drinking out of his little killing his, his little is teacup. distasteful to me. <laughs> and he says this while like brandishing a uh, a safety razor at, at Hoffman's throat. Um, and also Hoffman is like tied up in a chair and there's a shotgun pointed directly at his chin. And whoa, I was like, whoa, I don't... whoa, 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 whoa. We did not even touch the scene where Hoffman is walking through Earth's shittiest apartment complex and then gets stabbed in the neck by John Kramer when he walks into the world's dirtiest elevator. I, I yes, feel like yes, we have John, to discuss he, that. He walks into the elevator with with John Kramer and uh, I, cause like, he's like, he's like investigating this apartment. Like rig was in the last movie or this, this, you know, this motel or whatever the fuck like rig was I in think, the last movie. I think it's just Hoffman's apartment. Like, I think he just, no, it's not. Here. He's, he's got, he's got his gun out because like, he there's that he's got his gun but when he goes and he checks the mailbox. So who is, is he investigating somebody's <laughs> mailbox? I don't know because, but like the thing is, remember that woman with her dog that he almost shoots and kills yeah. because he's like, Oh God, this is a, this is a saw. This is Jigsaw happening to me. I, um, I, I don't know. I think this is Hoffman's apartment. I think he lives here. I think Jigsaw has tracked Hoffman someone, I mean, to someone's his own gotta. apartment. Yeah, I I have no fucking idea. Like, I <laughs> I just don't know. But so he, like, gets into an elevator, and then John Kramer is there. And he, get, just, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. he gets into an elevator, and people pour out of this shit like it's a fucking clown car. There are, like, 18 <laughs> people coming out of this elevator. And then one man remains, John Kramer. So he stabs Hoffman in the neck with the syringe. Yeah. Then, we, then we get this bit where he's in uh, Jigsaw's. Yeah, production. where killing is distasteful to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then he's he like he edges the shotgun for a little bit and uh, <laughs> makes <laughs> makes Hoffman ask for it, and then <laughs> all right, all right, he pulls. <laughs> He pulls the trigger and then the shotgun was unloaded. But was it? Because he checks it later. And there was one chamber with a what? What? Because remember, he like looks at the shotgun later because like because what I'm, happens is like I'm pretty sure the okay, shotgun shell hold is on. in the chamber that he pulled the trigger for. I I would bet cash money on that. So I have it's, no I, idea what's <laughs> happening here. Because what happens is he pulls the trigger, the thing doesn't go off, uh, and Hoffman's, like, freed from his restraints, and Jigsaw, and he's, like, preparing to kill Jigsaw, and Jigsaw's doing the same thing Amanda did in Saw 3, but less sexy, so, like, what the fuck's the point, where he's like, oh, you better kill, you're gonna kill me with that big axe, better do it in one shot, better make it count, and he, like, he, like, looks at, like, the double, like, little double-barreled shorty that he's got, 
and like he sees there's a shell in one side but not a shell on the other side and he like clicks he like closes it back um it's the was he playing Russian roulette with Hoffman? I I I think I I don't know. I think maybe if Hoffman had answered differently, he would have just domed him, but I <laughs> I, I could not tell you. Um but uh in this moment Jigsaw's like, "Don't you want to learn what it's like to, to to teach instead of to kill?" Um and then we cut to we we like we just like get an intercut of like Daniel of Daniel Erickson like finding out some things in the oh hmm this is interesting there's like finding out some like so just on the trail of breadcrumbs um and we go to another flashback of this one's after the last flashback <laughs> I fucking hate oh. this movie. <laughs> But this one is just like of a big of like a, a big like it's like a uh, a fat guy getting wasted in his car and then like he gets attacked by Hoffman and uh, John Kramer and he like swings back at them and like almost yeah he almost he almost fucking them. gets them yeah he he <laughs> almost gets uh, Hoffman and, and uh, John and right this. so okay so here's so but here's but then, no 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 here's my question to you so this is. A scene of Hoffman and Jigsaw getting together to get this dude to put him in the razor wire trap we see in Saw 1, right? Was Hoffman Jigsaw's apprentice before Amanda? Did this take place chronologically before Amanda is put in the reverse bear trap at the beginning of Saw 1? I think I think so. I think this is like this is again pointed to this movie stealing Amanda's thunder. Yeah, because if if Amanda Hoffman- had been there, it would have been Amanda instead of John, right? Because John is is shown to be a cancer patient at this point because his head is shaved and he's got his gay little saw goatee on. He looks right? like he looks like fucking Mike Ehrmantraut. He looks like Xehanort from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like he's got the fucking robe and everything. It's so funny. Mike Z- Mike Xehanort. Yeah, Mike Xehanort, of course, of course. So they they capture this guy and then this is intercut with I think Strom investigating the room where the razor wire trap was in Saw 1, because right. all, all these flashbacks and, are and paired. And Jigsaw, with, Jigsaw hits him with, like, some classic, you know, with some classic John Kramer shit of just, like, did you, when you did all that self-harm, did you actually want to die, or were you just looking for attention? Ooh. Ooh Joker, <laughs> twisted and Joker-fied. It's that twisted yeah. picture shit coming through for you. Like I, the more we go into this movie, the more that I realize that like a lot of my uh, conceptions about this movie, about that like the people quote unquote deserving it in some way or another, is coming off the fact that like all of the kills that I know about really comes from like later saws yeah. with like Nazis and stuff. Yeah. Um, this, John Kramer is like fucking five for five on killing Nazis. Well, not John Kramer. I guess Hoffman is five for five on killing Nazis. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Again, don't, don't under no circumstances do you have to hand it to Hoffman, but, but he's taking care of Saw City's Nazi problem pretty pretty handily. Pretty handily, I'd, I'd say, yeah, because there's the one in this one, and then there's uh, the the one the, Chester, like the gang of six in yeah, Saw Chester Bennington Seven and Saw Seven, yeah, yeah. Uh, so now we we get the flashback of, I guess how Hoff- do you think? Okay, I I. <laughs> This is talking about Saw 7. I know we're already an hour and 12 minutes into this fucking it's, episode. It's fine. I've given up. Do you think... Do you, do you think... Who approached who vis-a-vis Chester Bennington and the production crew of Saw 7? That is a great question. I I would love to think that Chester Bennington was a fan of these movies. 
I yeah. I will actually go ahead and look that up if you want to try to lay the groundwork for yeah. So this, so what this happens? This, this guy gets this guy gets put in the barbed wire trap. He doesn't get out and he dies in it. And then we get to like. We see like Hoffman and John Kramer like dragging a bunch of bodies into the into the uh, the Saw Two house. This is so and, like, funny. We see we see John setting up the fucking uh, like the the keyhole uh, revolver trap. Yeah, and he's like he like gives Hoffman something like when you know how people will think, you can tell how they will act. Yeah, which that'll, like, come, that'll come up later. It's so it's so good. Like again, doing this shit that Saw Four did, where it's explaining stuff that nobody needed to know. Like, did we really <laughs> right. need to see the scene of John Kramer and Hoffman gluing, like, hot gluing this gun to this door I, at the beginning? I of want. Saw <laughs> I do not want this, but I feel like I need it in my life, yeah. which is just a supercut of all of these movies with every single scene placed in chronological order. Oh my fucking god. I would I would love that. That would be incredible. <laughs> I just I just I just want some I just I do not think it would be a good experience, nor do I think it is, like, quote-unquote, better filmmaking for things to be in a certain order or anything. Uh I, like, I'm actively against, like, chronological orders of viewings or playings or anything of of things. Um, But (laughs) this is the one exception, I think, to that rule. How would you feel if I told you that that notorious eighth film in the Saw franchise, Jigsaw, introduces plot points that take place even further before the flashbacks of this film before the flashbacks before the flashbacks before saw one yeah sure i have i i have no trouble believing that whatsoever because you know what this movie did this movie gave me flashbacks to before the flashbacks from saw 2 that showed us amanda getting the thing showed us before flashbacks of like saw 3 of of jigsaw taking the, the, the poop on pants drugs <laughs> yeah like I have no trouble believing that a later oh you're telling I'm sorry you're telling me that a later entry in the soft franchise goes even further back than the prior one oh god what will the, what will they think of next yeah just just fucking nonsense just absolute nonsense the, the, the this... I, I'll fucking it's the fucking Trump tweet about Coca Cola though like I'll keep drinking that garbage yeah <laughs> basically yeah yeah totally totally um I'm looking at my notes um. I just said that this is a Hoffman prior trap montage where we just see him setting up traps from like Saw One, Two, and Three, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we we see him. We see them do the gun door. We get the line from John, like, "Oh, if you know human nature, you never you never have to guess." And um, I, th- I I don't know. Like, this is all intercut with these um, bits and pieces of Hoffman setting up Strom as the jigsaw killer right. like him right, because like there's also there's also like uh Jill Tuck talking to uh Chief Erickson and being like hey I've been being stalked by Strom and he's like stalked by Strom that's weird huh yeah there's, why, why, why would that happen there's all that there's uh Hoffman the funniest thing about Hoffman is that every time he walks into the scene for like his trap monitoring workshop he has a coffee and it makes me wonder if he's it's, like it's fucking it's fucking Ricky from Trailer Park Boys with his whiskey. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they have like a coffee machine in the Jigsaw Workshop, or if Hoffman there, every like, time just... he goes out to frame Strom for something, he just drives through Starbucks on the way back. <laughs> Listen, you need the, you need the juice if you're gonna if you're gonna frame somebody for murder. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so these these scenes, which are all nebulously occurring in the present moment, are intercut with. Strom going back to all the scenes of 
where there were traps from the prior movies and then having like ambiguous flashbacks by like uh, Strom is having flashbacks in the perspective of Hoffman to traps that neither of them were present for and exist only it's, for the sake of the narrative. <laughs> the thing is that like this movie demonstration understanding of what a flashback is the same way that like my brain considered flashbacks like five years ago, which is like, it's just a narrative thing. Like, and it can just be a narrative thing, but like, they're, like characters gain information from flashbacks that they could not have like been been party to in any way, shape, or form. Totally, totally, yeah. Like he's just having Jimmy Neutron brain blast, where he's like, "Oh, Hoffman, you helped set up this trap too." And then we go, "Okay, let's watch Hoffman set up the trap." And it's like him and John Kramer sitting in this little hidey hole as this guy gets shaved to death by barbed wire razor, right? Yep. Speaking of hidey hole, the next note I have for Hoffman. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, is the the he he and Strom have their final showdown in the in the room with with Jigsaw's glass coffin and like oh oh wait 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 are we are we at that already because isn't there a scene we are isn't there a scene where he's talking to John uh, at the end of Saw three or or he's talking to John in the operating room before the beginning of Saw three yes oh my yeah. god this yeah <laughs> where you hear that you you they're having a conversation. Jigsaw hands Hoffman some files. I don't remember if we find out what those are, but as they're having this conversation, you fucking this entire, this hear the beginning fucking... of Saw 3 where Amanda is talking to Dr. Lynn Denton, and then Hoffman just secretly exits through the secret door that we only find out about in Saw 5. The, only, the thing about... I, I know I keep saying that this franchise is X, this franchise is Y. This franchise is the Homestar Runner DNA evidence. I, I don't get that reference, I'm sorry. Oh, damn. Okay, never mind. Um... But yeah, so now we're now we're in Hoffman and Strom's final showdown where Strom's like, Hey, what the fuck? And Hoffman's like, hee hee hee, smug face. Um... Who is listening to the tape at the start of this? I don't remember. It's, so, is it Hoffman? So what happens? What happens here? I, yeah, take take me through this. I, I'm 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 le- I'm letting myself be like I'm feeling the rain on my skin, and the rain is your description of this. Okay, scene. let me let me piece this together in my memory the best I can using my notes in the Saw Five wiki page. So, um, what happens here is, uh, even the Saw wiki has no idea how to approach this film, but um. So what ends up happening is that during his investigation, um, we get uh, this this sequence where Detective Erickson traces Strom's phone to the jigsaw workshop where Hoffman has left it, right? And as Special Agent Erickson comes into the scene, the two people from the Trap House game come out with their fucked up arms. They're like, oh, we won, we won, as they're like bleeding out, right? And so... Erickson puts out an APB on Detective Strom, right? And so, yeah. while this is happening, uh, Strom is following Hoffman to a house, which turns out to be the renovated nerve gas house from Saw 2, where he finds an entrance to a hidden underground tunnel network. So, as, as Strom is sort of navigating this tunnel network, he comes across a room where it, it, just in the middle of the room, like the fucking Empire Strikes Back Carbonite Freezing Chamber, there is the glass coffin that I pointed out in Saw 4, right? And um, Strom picks up a tape recorder, and it's it's not even voice modulated. Like, it's very obviously Hoffman at this point, right? Where right. Um, 
the the tape says oh like strom you you're getting closer to the truth have you learned how to trust me or do you still you know hate me or whatever and um as this is happening hoffman is closing in on strom from behind strom stops the tape and hoffman comes into this room and uh uh like gets ambushed by strom right and at this point the the tape which has been played to strom says you have to you know you have to trust me you have to like like you have to get in this glass coffin and there is a chance for survival right but strom obviously being the hot-headed cop that he is he instead whoa he gets one over on hoffman and pushes him into the fucked up glass coffin but then we get the incredible ending. I think, to this I think, movie. I think, I think I need to specify because I think we've been saying glass coffin, and we're just like picturing like an ornate, like like uh, uh, Brothers Grimm style. No, like, no, no, you no, know, no, literally no. coffin made of glass. This is a coffin that has just shattered glass in it for no discernible reason, as far as I can tell, aside from being like the design of it. Also. This is a, this is definitely a cinema sense nitpick here, but I find it very funny that the coffin is like at an like standing at like a seventy degree angle when we walk into this room, and all of the glass is still like perfectly arrayed on the back of it. Like is Jigsaw gluing these pieces down? I don't know. Yeah, he he, he might be. He is. I don't know. He definitely is. Yeah, uh, it's all about presentation when it comes to the Jigsaw Collective. But um, so so Strom gets one over on Hoffman, right? And he pushes Hoffman into the glass coffin, and the coffin shuts. Hoffman's banging on it. And then uh, we, we, I think we cut back to like Erickson or whatever. And then we cut back, and this is where we get Hello Zep playing the fucking hype music. And it turns out here, as Hoffman pulls a incredibly shit eating grin, that the door to this room locks. Strom is trapped inside. As this happens, Hoffman is just slowly being lowered into the floor inside this glass coffin, and the fucking walls of the room start closing in. And what happens is, as Hoffman is getting lowered into the ground and the tape is playing out the rest of the message, fucking Strom gets smashed by these walls, turned into a fucking... Like, just just sheet of paper by this shit as Hoffman looks on. And the, I love the ending shot of this movie. It's so good. It's um, it's Hoffman looking up from inside the glass coffin as Strom's blood starts splattering all over the top. And it gets all, like, red and glossy as the two sides of the screen, the two black halves of this crushing wall trap, like, close over him. And that's the end of this fucking movie. Oh, it's so and good. That's, it, that's it, Saw 5. It's Saw fucking 5. Uh, not a big twist in this movie, just a lot of little twists, but it is straight up one of my favorite endings in this whole franchise. I, I really it's, love it quite a bit. It's it, I, I do love Hoffman just descending into the ground. It's so good. Shit. Literally facing God and sliding backwards into hell. Yeah, it's great. It's great. That's uh, that's kind of the end of this movie. Uh, Hoffman sort of gets away with it. Strom is dead. They all think Strom is the Jigsaw Killer. And uh, I feel like we accurately described about eighty percent of the film. We did the. We really did the best that we could. I yeah. do have to wonder. Like, I do have to wonder. Like, so from the cops' angle, like. Strom is going to be Strom is the 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 bad guy are the, like he 
there he just got smushed between two walls just got hoisted by his own petard in the end is that the conclusion i mean i guess that's what the cops are going to come to that's uh kind of what saw six is about it is about dealing with the uh fucking, yeah all right yeah. fucking yeah why not yeah of course it is yeah, yeah you know what that i that, you know what i don't know why i sound so agitated because that actually does make sense from a storytelling literally mark hoffman wants a quiet life that is that is saw six uh and it's fucking it's it's banger all is, killer is no just, filter it, no filler is it is it is it a, is it like a Columbo type thing where like someone's just like trying to move on with their life after committing a homicide? It literally then, is. Like, yeah, it is. Oh, the, 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 the to set up the plot of Saw Six, it is about uh, Hoffman doing his jigsaw thing, but the police closing out on him and him trying to wriggle out from underneath it. So on a scale of zero to five, uh, on a scale of zero to five glass, on a scale of zero to five glass filled coffins, how many glass filled coffins are there? I mean. From, like, an actual filmmaking perspective, probably, like, a one, but from an actual enjoyment perspective, I give this three out of five. Like, easily, just, just tremendously entertaining to me. I had a great time. I, I, I think that we gave kind of an idea of how fucked up and, and, like, just all over the place this this movie is, but you really just have to watch this to, to understand it. The thing is, though, that, like, you do need to watch the prior four Saw yeah. movies for this one. Like, seeing is definitely believing, but you need to see the first four in the franchise before you tackle this one. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, there are episodes for all of those movies. Yeah, you could, I think you could very easily listen to y'all's podcast episodes about this franchise and then just watch Saw 5. Like, just, uh, the only four from this franchise I would recommend are Saw 1, Saw 3, and then 5 and 6, to be honest. But, um... Boy, howdy! What what a fucking blast to the brain I, this movie I, is. I I genuinely cannot imagine. Like I I normally I am one who has been like, yeah, you can just kind of like you can just fucking like you can skip parts. You can skip most of JoJo Part Three, honestly. Like so you can have someone give you an itemized episode list, and you can just be good with that. Like. I, I think I'm normally kind of like freewheeling about that stuff. I genuinely cannot fathom the idea of like what is like, like the flashback to Saw Two. If someone watches me, what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's true. Like it's just it's just it's just a lot, right? Uh, it, it is it is one of those movies that I think about all the time, just in terms of how like quietly audacious it is that somebody thought that this was a movie that was like releasable (laughs) i mean they certainly did release it but Mm -hmm. god i love it i love this movie uh what are you giving this out of five uh i think i'm kind of similar to you like i i a little a docking half a point for the amanda slander the slamander um, they'll make up for it in the next movie yeah i'm i'm sure I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, two and a half uh, glass filled. So two two glass filled coffins and one coffin without any glass in it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh god, we actually have a we have a fair number of questions for today. So uh, let's get into those. Uh, uh <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, at at Werba Daya Aaron. I apologize, I mispronounced that. Uh, AKA Martian Pushy Pussy Juice. <laughs> <laughs> asks what would you do to cover up an apartment fire and um what would i do to cover up an apartment fire? i would like god what would i do to cover up an apartment fire <laughs> i don't know like am i am i putting myself in the shoes of the shitheads in this film i am i like 
Because it, it seems like they got away with it, right? Like, aside I would, from Jigsaw, I would, they just kind of got away with it, you know? I would I would simply not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends like, on would, what my level I would, of involvement I would, I would is. Either, I would either not do the apartment fire, or I would, like, or I would do the apartment fire and just, like, walk up to the, like, you know, just present my wrists, you know, for for, for the for the bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, probably pay off a judge or something. That seems like how they got away with it in this one, so... Yeah, that seems to be, like, the... the like, paying off a judge just seems to be, like, the thing to do in these movies. Because, I mean, that's what happened in... I mean, that's what happened in Saw 4 or 2. Uh, as, or 3? Saw 3, I've right. got no yeah, fucking idea. That ju- the the hog slurping. Oh shit yeah, judge yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's. He got, that's he was like paid off, or like he fucked up. I can't even remember. Pay a, like pay pay off a judge to fuck up like dotting an I or crossing a T, and then like you know the pay a judge to do the old Freddy Krueger. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Luna uh, at Luna underscore Blepsbian asks, how far would you be able, how far would you be able to go? How far would you go to be able to clap with one hand? And I'll just say, I can already clap with none. I have no idea what this question means. I'm sorry. <laughs> how, but how far would you go to be able to clap with one hand? Probably not very far. I don't feel like that's something I... I don't think that's a skill set I need in my life. I don't know. I'm scared. I don't know what this means. <laughs> uh, lastly, CU Space Indian uh, at FlourishCaster underscore asks, Have you ever been a part of a team building exercise? How did it go? Um, Oof. I'm trying to think. Like, some stuff in school, but, like, nothing I can really point to. I never had to do anything for, for work. But uh, if you had to build Team Solidarity, what activity would you choose, pandemic notwithstanding? Um, I mean, trust fall. Classic trust fall. Cannot go wrong with a trust fall. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe Jigsaw had the right idea. I would just put everybody <laughs> in a fucking escape room and be like, hello. Thank you for coming to this escape room on your day off for this team building exercise. <laughs> now, as you see, I have locked all the doors to this, to this, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't fucking know. I'm, I used I to I have be... locked all the doors, I have locked all the doors to this hell, to this hellscape. And only when you find all of the keys, or when an hour and ten minutes pass and the next group needs to come in, will I let you go. Listen, make your, I... Play, make your choice. I used to be a manager at my old job. I fucking sucked at it. I was really bad. <laughs> I I shouldn't have been promoted. And you know what? I simply just uh, have never thought about team building in my entire life. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things. I don't know. Maybe I'll take everybody out for some volleyball. That sounds like a good way to build a team. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know. Uh, also, uh, Flourish Caster asks, "What was this movie really about?" <laughs> Fuck if I know. Hoff, Hoff, Hoffman's DSLs, baby. Hoffman's DSLs. Um, you know, sort of like a David Lynch Inland Empire type uh, referential stream of consciousness experimental narrative type situation. Right. Uh, I think it's about uh, how at the end of the day, you know, if a man with dick sucking lips tells you to get into a glass coffin, you, you gotta trust him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 so that's it for questions. Um, you gotta, you, you plug your things. I'm gonna pull up the Patreon stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CurseGoat. You can find me on Letterboxd at SewerPeak, P-E-A-K. You can find my other podcast that I do with Sylvie, which is Emojidrome, where we talk about emoji. And you can also listen to my other show, which is on an on and off hiatus right now which is subsequent movie podcast, also known as at Borat Club on Twitter. And I think that's about it. I also have movie reviews on Hyper Real Film Club. I haven't done one in a Hell couple yeah. months, but those are there if that's something that interests you. 
what are what else you got going on sarah what's up uh so we are at fearbaiting on twitter fearbaiting on patreon patreon.com slash fearbaiting uh getting the episodes up early sometimes uh and otherwise just a tip jar for one buck a month uh five buck a month you get your name under the podcast and also uh you can have a message sent in to be read 10 bucks a month all that and you get to pick a movie for us to watch uh so thank you very much to luna wolf paul moran and paul bechtel we love you all so much um I am on Twitter at SunHatGenya, S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. Thank you to NoiseSpace.xyz and Overlord Matt GameCube. Uh, oh, happy birthday to the GameCube today. We're recording this to turn 20 oh, hell yeah. uh, today. Um, and, uh, yeah, NoiseSpace.xyz hosts so many great podcasts, such as The Wonder Years, which is an Animorphs podcast I do, uh, Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, a leftism podcast that I do, and uh, Special Grade Snacks, a Jujutsu Kaisen watch-along podcast that I did... Currently, just no anime airing, so we got nothing to talk about. Um, thank you to uh, Maxi. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Max Knightley. Uh, that's K N I G H T L E Y. Uh, we love we love Maxi. Uh, we love we love her music. Um, thank you to Blair for editing these shows and also for the incredible cover art that we're working with now for September. And I think that's everything. Recommendations. So, Oh, fuck. God damn it. Thank you for the reminder. I completely spaced on my recommendations because we've been going for so goddamn long. Yeah. Um, you got something? I need, I had something, but I need a moment to re- to recall it to mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend Fumble Dimension, the, the John Boyce uh, series. Yeah. They just Hell put yeah. out a new episode, I think today, at the time of recording, about mm. the, uh, the Madden game and trying to do, like, an infinite play in that, and that was pretty good. Uh, the last one they did about the UFC game was really funny, and so... I watched those this afternoon. I thought they were really funny, and I went back and I rewatched that card show series he did for SB Nation, where they look at the really bad sports trading cards. So, oh, I missed that one so bad. Yeah, the, those four episodes of that are so fucking funny. I wish they had done more yeah. of it. But um, yeah, just general recommendation for Fumble Dimension and other uh, comedy-based John Boyce content, I suppose. Yeah. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be, it's an anime, not a new one though. Um, I have been sitting down and I have, the other day I decided on a whim that I wanted to watch the Demon Slayer movie, but it had been like two years since I'd seen the show and I kind of wanted to refresh myself on like things basically just because it had been so long. Uh-huh. Um, so I've been sitting down and watching a handful of Demon Slayer episodes for the last couple of nights. And it's a good show. Like, fuck. Like I, I know I talk a lot about Shonen on this show. I, it is probably my favorite subgenre well, sure, yeah. of anime, but like. Fuck, Demon Slayer is good. Tanjiro is just nice. Um, Hell yeah. We love it. So I think that's everything. So until next time, I'm Sarah. I'm Morgan. And remember... You can put a fucked up gay little puppet anywhere. Good night, everyone. <laughs>